Okay, hello everybody. Um, this is Parshas Tetzaveh, but uh, of course Purim is coming up. And uh, it's too tempting not to uh, discuss Purim, so I think that's where we'll go. Uh, there's a, an amazing Kedushas Levi, the Verdichever. Uh, he says fascinating thing. The Pusik says, Vayetze Haman. Uh, it says he went out from the Suda. And it describes Haman as Sameach Vitov Lev, happy and with a good heart. Uh, and this is after he left the, the Suda that Esther had made. And the Kedushas Levi says, What? How do we, how, how can we describe someone like Haman with such good character traits? Sameach Tov Lev. How could it be that we would talk about someone like Haman? Uh, having such traits. So he says something very, very, uh, very interesting. And perhaps we could we can make it practical in a second. He says that the the lifeline, the chiyas of Klal Yisrael is from Hashem. And he says the chiyas, the energy of Rishayim, of maybe the Umus Olam, is from what he calls the Sitra Achra, it's a Kabbalistic idea, that from a side of Tumah, somebody's a Russia, he's connected to, to Tumah. And he, he basically says that if you want, the, the side of Tumah is very strong. It's very, uh, it's very hard to pry somebody away uh, or to destroy them while they're attached to a place of Tumah. So, so, so uh, the Kedusha Slavi says that the way to destroy someone like that is by giving them some Kedusha. He says, when you give them some Kedusha, it kind of pries them away from what we would call home base. The way I like to think about it is almost like uh, two different bases. And while somebody's on base, you can't get them out. But when you when you get them off base, you're not, he says this, he says you're not going to bring him over to a full Kedusha. He's not becoming a Balchuva. But by... By giving him a little kedusha, you could pry him off his quote unquote base. He's too impure to reach the level of kedusha, but once he's off base, then you could destroy him. You could use the kedusha that you have to basically uh, destroy him and make him have his downfall. And he says that's exactly what happened. He says that Esther's idea of having Haman participate in the Suda was, and many different opinions over there, exactly what was Esther doing, but in the, in the way that the Kedusha Slavi sees it, is that Haman's idea, uh, Esther's idea, was to give Haman a degree of Kedusha. If he's participating in a Suda that Esther has made, then he has a little bit of Kedusha, and he borrows, he kind of borrows this, uh, this Midah, of Sameach Vitov Lev, this Mida of being joyous and have a good heart. Um, he says that soon after, it says, Vais Apak Haman, um, that Haman was able to control himself, to get himself together. That also is a, a very positive Mida that he could control himself. He says this all comes from Esther's idea of pulling him away from the Tumah to be able to. Uh, to be able to uh, eventually destroy him. So it's a very interesting idea, maybe a little bit deeper than we usually see, but I, I want to say something very practical here. Um, 
I, I think it applies to all of us, and I'll bring it with a little story. They say that Rav Noach Weinberg, when somebody would, would come to meet him, and they would say, Rabbi, I'm an atheist. So Rav Noach, his approach was that he would say, oh, really? You're an atheist? He says, I've never met an atheist. What do you mean? There's lots of atheists out there. He says, well, an atheist, by definition, means somebody who knows that God doesn't exist. He says, do you have proofs that God does not exist? And the person would say, no, I don't necessarily have proofs that God does not exist, but I just don't see any proof that God does exist, so I don't think he exists. And he would say, oh, okay, so you're an agnostic. And, and, and that would shake the person so much. And I think he was using uh, this idea um, in, in a certain way. His idea is that we all have certain labels that we put on ourselves. And the thought of losing that label, of leaving the base of, it feels very safe for me to have that label. It feels like I know who I am. I identify myself. The moment Rav Noach would take this person away from, you're not actually an atheist. Now the person's like, wow, so I'm not an atheist? Like, okay, now I'm actually open to, to trying to figure out who am I? What am I? What, what's going on over here? And so I, I think with all of us that it's, it's a, a really interesting idea to think about um, when a person is, is thinking about changing or when you're, you are um, encountering people or children uh, who are resisting changing, always look at, at the label and see if I could almost take off that label. And once that label's gone, the person's not as defensive that I need to be on that base because you've already removed that label and they're more open, you're more open uh, to change. So here we have a very deep idea from the Kedush HaSlevi, I think coming down into the psychological realm of very, very practical. That's the first idea. Okay, let's run to a story. The story is as follows. Someone came to, uh, they, they were looking to, to brisk, um, or Velazhin at the time, I don't know when it was, in Rechaim's life, um, and they came looking for a place to stay. Um, it, is, it is reported that Rechaim's house, uh, they say it was a Rosh Rab in Rechaim's house, uh, there were times he came into his own bedroom and there were people already sleeping there, so he went elsewhere. It was, it was Mamish Rosh Rab wide open. And so somebody comes and he says, oh, is it okay if I stay? And Rechaim says, sure. And as as uh, he's settling in, this person realizes that, oh my gosh, this is Rav Chaim Salafechik, Rav Chaim Brisker, uh, the Lamdin, the Gadol, and he's so embarrassed. He says, oh my gosh, I asked you for uh, so many different things. I- I'm sorry, I-, I didn't mean to, I won't ask you anymore. He says, no, it's okay. And he saw the person's attitude towards uh, being willing to ask for things really changed. Okay, what could he do? On uh, the next day, Rav Chaim uh, went to shul with this person, it was a uh, it was a Thursday, and Rechaim went over to the Gabai, which he never did. He never got involved in this stuff, and he said, "You know, can you uh, give this person Hagma?" And so they went over. They they, they gave the person Hagma. He said, "Okay." And as the person is walking towards Hagma, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, Rechaim went over to him, and he said, "He said, yeah, I'm sorry to bother you with uh, you know with the mitzvah of Hagma." Uh, you know, I'm sorry. And the guy was a little confused and then it clicked in one second. He understood that Chaim was telling him, we never apologize uh, when we give somebody a mitzvah. We never apologize. Uh, we, we, we should never feel uh, guilty 
when somebody else is doing a mitzvah, Rukhaim is giving over the idea, just like you're excited to do the mitzvah of Hagbah, I was excited to be able to do the mitzvah of Hachnas Zarchim. Uh, so that's, that's Rukhaim. Okay, now we have a Geshmaka Shaila. The Shaila is as follows Somebody is, um, somebody is giving Shalach Manos. Of course, you only need to give to one person, two items. And uh, let's say this is the first person, or let's say you're only giving one. Um, and let's say your shalach monos is not chal of Yisrael. Okay? You have what to rely on. You don't keep chal of Yisrael. Fine. But what if the person you're giving the shalach monos to, they keep chal of Yisrael? Are you... Two questions. Number one, are you yotzei shalach monos by giving it to this person, he's not going to eat it. Uh, number two, are you even allowed to give it? Why wouldn't you be allowed to give it? Well, maybe it's lifnei iver. Lifnei iver You're not allowed to to give somebody uh, a stumbling block. So maybe uh, for you it feels fine, but maybe he's he's actually he's makbed. He doesn't do it, and so maybe you're not even allowed to give that to him. What do you think? So this is Geshmak. The Rav Zilberstein brings from Ritva and Sukkah. The story on Daf Yud over there is that some people came to visit uh, the Rish Galusa, Rav Nachman, um, or, or, or uh, yeah, Rav Nachman put them in a Sukkah uh, when they came. And th- this, these, the decorations of the Sukkah, we won't go too technical, but the decorations of the Sukkah came down very low. And these Tanoim held that uh, it, it's, a, it's a Puzzle Sukkah. Okay, and therefore, according to them, it was puzzle. But Rav Nachman held it was fine, and he put them in the sukkah. And so they clarified afterwards, and they said, "By the way, we went into your sukkah uh, not because we've changed our minds. We still hold this apostle sukkah, but we hold we're, we're shluche mitzvah. We are in the middle of of a mitzvah. We're visiting. We're we're respecting uh, a rabbi, and therefore we're putter from sukkah. But you just know we didn't change our opinion. <clears throat> so the ritva asks." Okay, before Rav Nachman realized that they held that they were Oseik B'mitzvah and therefore Pater, before that, when he thought they wanted a proper sukkah, how was he allowed to put them in such a sukkah? Yes, he holds his mutter, but they hold that it's Aser. How could he do such a thing? So the Ritva says, that, yeah, that's what you see from here. You see that you could give somebody something else if you hold its mutter, even though that person holds its usher. So you see from here, if you hold that it's mutter, that's all that matters, even though he holds its usher. But then the ritva clarifies. He says that's only in a situation where the person could could look and discern. So, th- so these people, like they saw right away, right? They were able to see that this is this the the nice look of the decorations come way down. And therefore they were able to see. Right away. But if it would be hidden, it would be a different story. You would not be allowed to do that. That's what the Ritva says. So let's go bring it back over here. If Zilberstein says, so here, as long as the Heksher is on the package, it would be okay. Because it says O-U-D. <clears throat> and it doesn't say Pashkez. It says, uh, I don't know. It says, um, whatever it is, Dunkin' Donuts. So, there's, there's, it's clear the person could see and you could give it 
and they have to be careful to, to check. Sounds like, sounds like from this piece, that if it would be homemade food, maybe that would be problematic because you hold his mutter, they might hold its asr, and it's not clear. So according to Ritva, uh, it could be it's a, it's a problem. That's what it sounds like so far. Now, um, he doesn't bring this, but uh, I recall there is a, a tshuva from Ratzvi Pesach Frank in the Har Tzvi. And Ratzvi Pesach Frank is discussing Lifnaiver as well. And he says as follows. He says maybe all of that is true if you're talking about a Dindo Raisa. But there's actually a famous discussion. We won't get into the, all the details of this. I'm sure we'll get back to it one day. But there's a famous Nesivis. The Nesivis says if somebody... Uh, if somebody, he's ex- explaining this halacha, um, he says that if somebody sells you meat that's treif midrabanon and you didn't realize, you don't get to get the money back. Why? Because he says when it comes to a daraisa, there's something be'etzem, there's something, there's some uh, devastating consequences that happen from the fact that you ended up being treif. But he says when it comes to drabanon, there's really... There's really, there's nothing be'etzem wrong with the Drabbanon. It's just that the rabbis said don't do it. But if you're a shogay, you didn't realize that the rabbi said don't do it. So there's no issues, okay? So he says if you're a shogay on a something that's treif min Drabbanon, it would be totally fine. It seems to come out from Tzvi Pesach Frank. If there would be something like Chal of Yisrael, which even according to those who are machmir, um, even according to those who are machmir, they're saying that Chazal, Chazal's uh, takana still applies even nowadays, and therefore um, they would say that's, that that it's it's an isidrabanan. So it could be that according to the ritva, the ritva was talking about uh, eating eating outside the sukkah, whether or not that's a lav or an say, But either way, it's an isidoraisa. So maybe there it has to be clear. But it could be that based on Rav Tzvi Pesach Frank. That if if it's uh, if it's the worst it is, it's rabbanon and the person is a shogeg, so it could be uh, it would not be an issue according to everybody, even if it would be homemade food. That's what uh, that's what I'm thinking. Okay, in terms of <clears throat> in terms of being yotze, you're shalach manos. So Rosilverstein says that perhaps it's totally in two famous reasons given for why we give shalach manos. There's one opinion that you should have something for the suda. That when you're giving shalach monos, you should make sure that everybody has something to eat at their suda. And therefore, we're all, we're all giving to each other. Uh, if you go with that reason, so this person will not have what to eat at the suda, okay, for, for his suda based on your shalach monos, because you know he will not be eating that food. Um, others say that it's all about increasing friendship, right? Uh, they, they talk about how Haman described us as Am Mafuzra Mafurad, that we are uh, a separate people, we're not connected, and so therefore we give out Shalach Manos to show we're connected. Friendship. In that case, uh, he says, you know, non Chal Yisrael for sure could increase friendship. Okay, you didn't realize I keep Chal Yisrael, but clearly you were still trying to do a very nice thing. And so therefore, um, he says, maybe it's dependent on those two reasons. Um, he ends with, with saying he's not sure, because he says maybe... Um, Still, even according to both reasons, it has to be food. So if I give a safer to somebody, even though it does increase friendship, it still doesn't count. Chazal said food. He says it could be that uh, it's, you know, for somebody who doesn't keep 
uh, who doesn't eat non-Chal Yisrael, this is, doesn't even qualify as food because uh, for him he feels like it's usher. I, I would think that would depend on whether or not it's, uh, it, it's you, you see this as just a minog or if you hold it's mamish and iser. Maybe if it's an iser, it's not even qualifying as food versus if I say, I know this is kosher food, but I, I just have the minog not to eat it. Maybe it would be dependent on that. So lots to think about. Super geschmack. Everyone should have a wonderful Purim and uh, have a wonderful Shabbos.